So there's only one correct path, right? Prophet ﷺ, he drew uh, 70 lines in the sand. Uh, and he said that all, all these sects, all these lines will be in the fire. Um, and the except one. And that one is the jama'ah, the majority, which is Sunni Islam. We make all the decisions. But the thing is, all the decisions we make and we've made and we will make are already written in that decree, in that qadr of Allah. It's not that Allah wrote these things down like computer programmers code softwares and then they click run or execute and the software program runs that. It's that Allah gave us free will, but because he knows us so intimately, so purely, because he is our creator, he is the source, he knows us so deeply that he knew what we were going to do in every single decision before we even do it so confidently that he wrote it down in the color of Allah. It's not that he made us do it, but he created us with the free will. So he knew what we're going to do before we even do it. If we got three doors, A, B, and C, TLDR, we can choose door A, door B, or door C. If Rami picks door A, Allah wrote down Rami's going to pick door A. Allah did not make Rami pick door A. Rami picked door A. Rami gets his good deeds. Rami sins. Just like any other human being, Rami is in control. But Allah wrote down through how much he knows Rami that Rami will pick door A. Allah didn't make him do that. Allah even wrote down what would have happened if he didn't pick door A. What if he picked door B, door C? Allah wrote everything down. But Allah knows him so well that Allah wrote down Rami wrote door A. So long story short, guys, we do have free will. But it's not free will in the sense that, oh, Allah made us do it. It's true free will, but Allah still knew what we were, we were going to do before we even do these things, before we even think of doing So if, let's say, I want to learn, what is this, five-minute mark? Rami, bro, don't, don't interrupt me like this, man. I cannot hear you. I still cannot hear you. You, you muted, you fool. But um, continuing. <laughs> You're still muted, bro. I'm not talking this time. I, I said, okay. my bad, please continue. Okay, okay. All right, so. See, man, you done, you done made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> okay, purpose, purpose. So you're talking about purpose here, right? <laughs> So if you, you, you want to give yourself purpose, you say, okay, well, you know what? Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to, <laughs> to the three Muslims. Actually, bro, you looking more like it's the two Muslims featuring white girl on her. <laughs> yeah, you a little spastic today, aren't you? Yes, sir. All right, so how are you guys doing today, man? Beautiful uh, Tuesday, mashallah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I like that. I like that sweater, mashallah. Mm. I was going to tell you that, but that's a nice sweater. Yeah, I like your tank top, bro. Thanks, I like bro. your beanie. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Hey, y'all know, y'all notice, uh, y'all notice Rami's getting bigger? Yes. yes. Yo, show him the neck gains. The neck gains? Mm. Y'all sleeping on Rami. Y'all yeah. sleeping on him. Just, just wait, wait. Yo, why you gotta flex on your ex like that? Oh. 
right, I'm just kidding, guys. Rami does not have an X. No. All right, guys. So this video, this video, we're gonna be talking about the Qadr of Allah. Yes. Free will. Mm-hmm. And transvestites. Yeah, that was supposed to be a surprise. All right, let's get into now it. Now you're running, bro. Rami. <laughs> Rami, start it off, bro. Right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So, Qadrullah, free will. Everybody always has this like this weird contention that it doesn't need to be there. And actually, it goes back to a, a, a deep philosophical argument of predestination and free will. But there was one philosopher. Um, what's the name of the brother we were mentioning before? Um, Faraz Zahabi. Is that his name? Yeah. He was on the Jorgen podcast and you can go watch it. It's an amazing, uh, amazing episode. Um, not to shout out another podcast. T3M is where it's at. But anyways, aside, aside, <laughs> aside from that, um, he was explaining how one philosopher said that predestination, right? Determinism and free will are two trains that move perfectly together simultaneously because you cannot deny free will. You cannot deny the fact that we consciously make choices. And we do what we do. But you actually, at the same time, you can't deny that things only happen once. They only happen one way. And they happen as a consequence of other things that are in the past you can't change, right? That's what determinism essentially is. You can't deny either of them. And that's the beauty of Islam. Because Islam combines both of them. We are accountable for our actions. But at the same time, we have the the, the destiny and the qadr of Allah. The destiny, the decree of Allah. Which was dictated, they say, 50,000 years before we were even created. So... Or 50,000 years before even the creation of the heavens and earth. Allahu Adam. So think about it like this. I'm going to talk about the destiny part. Allah destines you to be in a situation. Let's say Allah puts you in a situation where you end up having to choose door one or door two. Right? Let's say there's a sign from Allah to choose door two. You choose to go through door two. You could also choose to disobey go through door one. One is going to have good consequences and one's going to have bad consequences. Let's say you decide to go through door one, right? You go through door one and it's a dark room. You spend a few hours trying to find your way to the, the other side, right? Let's say you go through door two. You listen to Allah, you go through door two. It's still your choice. Allah's not making you. He's just telling you what's up, what you should do, what's, what's, what's more befitting of you according to his plan. And then you choose to go through door two. You go through door two and it's a lot easier for you. Right. So let's say that's what happens. The final decision you make is to, go, is to go through door two. It is in your destiny that you will make that decision, but it's still your decision to make. A lot of the time people ask, if, if God knows what I'm going to do, mm. how do I have free will? And that's, <laughs> that's no, no worries, no worries. And sometimes they phrase it like this. If God knows what I'm going to choose to do, if God knows my choices, then how do I have free will? If you admit in the question itself, you're admitting you're the one doing it. You're the one choosing it. It's in, it's in the mm. question itself. So it's self-defeating to say, how do I have free will when I choose what to do and God knows? Mm. Let me, you yeah, know, go on, bro. That's, that's essentially it. It's just, it's a self-defeating mm. statement. So the, the fact that Allah knows does not remove your ability to choose. He just knows what you're going to choose. That's essentially mm. it. Let me, let me break it down even, even simpler. So a lot of people have this, this question that Rami posed that do we have free will or no? If Allah knows, if God knows, if, if the Most High knows what we're going to do, then are we really thinking freely or are we just in a simulation? Are we just doing what he wants us to do? Is he making us act or are we doing it? 
And if we do sins, then isn't it, how is it my fault? Because God made me do it, right? Astaghfirullah. Here is the easiest way to think about it. We have free will. I have free will. Anha has free will. Rami got free will. All right. We all got free will. But the thing is, it's not that Allah makes us do these things. But the thing is, time is a construct of our dunya. It is a construct that we as mankind created to understand and solve the problems of our dunya, of our world. It is not something that exists remotely, let alone at the same magnitude in the seven heavens and, you know, aside from here. So when Allah created this thing called Qadr, right? Allah took a pen and Allah wrote down the Qadr. Allah wrote down every single thing that everyone will do. Okay? He wrote down every single thing that everyone will do. When they're going to do it, how they're going to do it, who's going to be there when they do it, our thoughts. Allah wrote everything down. Before even creating us, just like Brother Rami said, 50,000 years ago before we were born. Then Allah creates us with free will and he creates us and puts us in this dunya and we live our life. We make all the decisions. But the thing is, all the decisions we make and we've made and we will make are already written in that decree, in that qadr of Allah. It's not that Allah wrote these things down like computer programmers code softwares and then they click run or execute and the software program runs that. It's that Allah gave us free will but because he knows us so intimately, so purely, because he is our creator, he is the source, he knows us so deeply that he knew what we were going to do in every single decision before we even do it, so confidently that he wrote it down in the color of Allah. It's not that he made us do it, but he created us with the free will, so he knew what we we're going to do before we even do these things. So if we got three doors, A, B, and C, TLDR, we can choose door A, door B, or door C. If Rami picks door A, Allah wrote down, Rami's going to pick door A. Allah did not make Rami pick door A. Rami picked door A. Rami gets his good deeds. Rami sins. Just like any other human being, Rami is in control. But Allah wrote down through how much he knows Rami, that Rami will pick door A. Allah didn't make him do that. Allah even wrote down what would have happened if he didn't pick door A. What if he picked door B, door C? Allah wrote everything down. But Allah knows him so well that Allah wrote down Rami wrote door A. So long story short, guys, we do have free will. But it's not free will in the sense that, oh, Allah made us do it. It's true free will. But Allah still knew what we were, we were going to do before we even do these things, before we even think of doing these things. So it's both. It's predestination in the sense that Allah wrote down what's going to happen. Not that he made us do it. But it's also free will, and I think that's beautiful, mashallah. It's essentially like a video game where Allah is the programmer, the creator of this video game. All right, now he's already basically written out how this video game is going to play out. And he, he knows everything, all the ins and outs of this video game. Are right, you, you being the soul, is now playing this video game. And in this video game, you have the freedom to experience the video game. Everything that Allah has created and programmed into the video game. But with every single thing that you do, 
they are different paths, different choices that you make. And at the end of the day, you are the one playing the video game. You are the one choosing what path you're going to take, what decision you're going to make in this life, in this video game, right? But even if you were to pick something else, it's already been programmed into the video game. So like, let's say you're playing this video game where you have this person in front of you and you can choose either to kill them or to help them, right? Like if you kill them, well, this is what's going to happen. And if you help them, well, this is what's going to happen. All of that has already been written. All of that has already been programmed. And that is, that is called in a nutshell. It's like, bro, even at the end, even like what happens at the end where someone says, was well, like, ah, well, like if you play a video game and you choose so-and-so things, like you're going to have this ending. Or it's like, yeah, but if you choose the other things in the video game, you will also have a different ending. But at the end of the day, that ending was still programmed into the video game, meaning that it's all written. And Allah is omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything. Like He knows everything. So a lot of people want to say, oh, well, how can we have free will if if Allah knows everything, like if he knows everything, then we have no free will. Or if we have free will, then Allah doesn't know everything because we can do something that uh, technically isn't in line with the color, but bro, like it's, it's all in line. Yeah. hundred percent. SubhanAllah. There's also another aspect to color of uh, sometimes things are going to happen no matter what you do. For example, right. Let's say you're destined, I mean, I don't want to use a bad example. Um, I mean, it's going to drive the point home. So let's say you're destined to get sick at 60, right? You could spend your whole life taking care of yourself or you can spend your whole life neglecting your body, but you still end up getting sick at 60, right? Perhaps this is just an illness you contract regardless of how you treat your body, right? Or let's say you're working at work and you've been there for 10 years and you've been the best employee ever. Um, but since, you know, due to whatever business situation they're in, they have to let you go, right? You get fired. Let's say you were a decent employee. You did the bare minimum, but you didn't really go. You didn't excel. You still get fired that same day, right? For different work and everything. So at the same time, um, we do have free will, but sometimes things are destined to happen. That's why the Prophet he said, um, when a calamity, when something difficult happens to you, don't say if, like if I did this, if I did that, then this would have happened. Rather say, Qadrullah. Um, this is the destiny that Allah has decided and Allah does as he wills. And at the end of the day, this is what it is. Um, but the real khair, the real good or bad comes out of how you choose to act in those situations. Like let's say um, Allah allows you to get married and that marriage is not going to work out 10 years from now. You could be the best husband you can be. You can be the best wife you could be and get so much reward from Allah for being an amazing spouse. And at the end, it still doesn't work out because of the other person. Or you could be a horrible person and contribute contribute to it not working out. And it still ends the same day, same time. Maybe even same reasons or similar <laughs> reasons. So it's just a matter of, are you being rewarded for those 10 years you're with that person? Are you being um, punished for the 10 years you're with that person? It's a matter of how you choose to treat them. So that's what I mean when I say Allah gives you a situation, you choose you know, how to act in that situation. But the qadr of Allah is firm regardless. So think more of the qadr of Allah as two things. One, Allah knows what you're going to do. And two, Allah puts you in situations that you can't control. And the free will is everything that's in your control, everything you choose to do. Um, I think that's that's basically the best way I can summarize it. Mm. Alhamdulillah, man. Fire. Did you unmute your mic just so you could say, mm? 
No, because I was gonna start talking, bro. Okay, carry on then. Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna say that. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, very good point, both of you. Drive it home even further. And I think we're ready to talk about sex. Oh, the transverse. I'm gonna put it right up here. Hold on, hold on. Okay, before before okay. oh sex. Uh, before saw <laughs> listen listen yo before we get into the next topic i feel like this is very befitting for me to say my experience um with a particular substance that i took in my jahilian days my jahil days all right this is the substance known as uh ecstasy i do not condone it i do not advise anyone takes it this actually will destroy your uh, neurotransmitter balance your neurochemistry mm-hmm. and really mess you up i'm talking about really mess you up all right before this example since it's very befitting i remember taking this being at a music festival and guys i kid you not when i took this thing I remember being so present and so aware that I was literally being guided. Every movement that I made, everywhere that I walked, everywhere that I looked, everything that I said was already programmed. And I was just literally experiencing it. Just like how when you play a video game and it has like a, a cut scene or like something's happening and like, you're just viewing it. You're just watching it. Guys, that's exactly what I felt when I was at this festival. I was moving. Like I was walking in a certain direction, but I wasn't actually trying to walk in that direction. It's like my body was being moved by itself going into this direction. And it's like everything was just already like, it, it, it's weird, but it's like everything was already happening. Everything was already going to happen the way that it was. I was already going to walk in this direction. I was already going to look in this direction. Look at this girl. Say something over here. And I was like, bro, everything was already destined, bro. And it was just me going along for the ride. And I say that because I feel like it's very befitting, you know, one, in terms of what we're talking about, but two, referring back to the other video that we're talking about these things with uh, Gabriel, with Brother Gabriel. Where it's like, in the book, it says not to do these mind-altering substances. Is that it's haram to do these things. And the reason for that is because look at all the side effects that come with these things. Right? Like, yes, it might wake you up to certain things and you might see certain things and you might have this uh, quote-unquote enlightenment. But it's like, dude, you, you have this book. That's the word of God. And it's basically telling you everything that you have or that you are going to experience if, if you are going in that route. Like let's say someone doesn't believe what we're saying. They, they're going to go and take the substance. You know, what they will experience is exactly what's written in the book, which is mind blowing, bro. That's mind blowing. Alhamdulillah, man. Thank you for sharing that. Now, we will go back to talking about sex. 
All right. Birds and the bees. Not sex, but sects. Sects. S-E-C-T-S. Why do you guys say it like Sajaya? Sects. Sects. Just say sectors. Sectors. Nah, bro. That makes it sound like some like business models. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about the agricultural sectors and the effects on climate change. Bismillah. No, nah, like, nah, bro. Come on. All right. So, uh, real quick. Before we talk about sex, I want to talk about something real, real, real quick. All right, this is something that's been asked about for a while. Look at on him, bro. Man looks, man looks excited. All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just. You make me just want to take a, take a care, bro. I'm just put it in your mouth, you know. Pause. Guys, Patreon exclusive, man. You can see, uh, you can see us put a carrot in on his mouth. All right, link. That's big, right gay, bro. Yeah, I mean it's not gay, bro. It's mental. Remember, we talked about it in episode three. Actually, you talked about in episode three that it's okay to have uh, mental thoughts as long as you don't act on them. Listen, is is the carrot gonna have some ranch on it? Uh, depends, bro. Do you want some ranch on it? It better have a lot of ranch on it, bro. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Rami to arrange that, bro. Right? That carrot better be dripping with ranch. Oh, don't worry, man. I'm, I'm gonna make it slide in real nice. All right, that's that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> if if we're done with that, before we talk about sects and Islam, I want to quickly talk about body modifications because this is a very growing concern. You see people tatted up. Uh, you see you see people you know getting tats and uh, you know they don't regret it. They don't not regret it, but that's not the point. The point is in Islam we cannot get tattoos and people wonder why can't we get tattoos people also wonder okay body modifications where do we draw the line what if i want i want to get my i don't know sisters might want to get the the you know breasts done i don't want to say i don't want to say the keyword uh, they might want to get some augmentation you got tetas. some tatas they want to get the tatas done no no you, tetas tetas what's tata then i mean tatas is like some Caucasian phrase. Then what's Tito? Tito? That's like a name. Then what's Tita? Tita? That's like <laughs> another name. <laughs> Te- Bro, Teta. At this point. Tetas. Tetas. They want to get their tetas done. Yes, there you Oi. go. So Oi. people people be wondering this this ish left and right. And they're, then they're like, okay, what if I want to get uh my eyes fixed? I want to go get corrective surgery. So long story short, bro, and Rami will have more to say on this. Anil can chime in too when he sees fitting. But in Islam, you we don't have a problem with you having tattoos if you are reverting to Islam. You did not know about tattoos. You did not know about these things in the Sharia law and about Allah's, you know, the natural order that Allah has ordained for us. So if you're coming into Islam or you want to come into Islam and you're wondering, damn, bro, I got a whole ass sleeve and I'm wearing a nice black tank top and I got, I got a headphone. No, I'm playing. Uh, I got a nice sleep. You do got a nice sleep. And and they're like, okay, I want to, I want to come to Islam, but I can't because, uh, you know, I, every time I, I go to the masjid, they're going to look at me some funny way. Here's the thing. They might look at you some funny way, but that's not Allah. Allah has forgiven you. If you truly repent and you don't get any more tattoos and you leave your body clean the way it is. Why? Because Allah has already made us perfect the way we are. We don't need to modify anything to get anything in this dunya, all right? The only validation we need is from Allah. We don't need to feed our ego with tattoos. If you're confused about what I'm saying, 
go over to Angel's main YouTube channel where he has a whole video on what he wishes he's known before getting all his tats done. And long story short, this is why we cannot get tats or any type of body modification, like getting your tetas done and all that. Because at the end of the day, guys and girls, it is you basically saying your body's not perfect the way it is and I need to now modify it. Now, what what is allowed? We allow anything that allows you from uh, maladaptive or altered or, I guess, abnormal state of physiology, anatomy, whatever you want to call it, you are now somewhat, somehow, some way, shape, or form messed up. Whether your eyes can't see more than two feet in front of you, whether your hair is falling out of your head, whether, you know, whatever you want to say, if you want to get corrective procedures and surgeries done, that is okay. So you want to go get PRK, you want to get laser to fix your eyes, that is okay. Your hair is falling off, you want to go get a scalp transplant, like a hair transplant, from my understanding of uh, the scholarly consensus, it is allowed if your intention is just to restore your hair. If you want to get tattoos on your hair, that's a different story. Now, I'm, I'm not the person that can give you a, the fatwa on that, but Allahu Alam, if you want to, you know, you lost a leg and you want to get prosthetics to, you know, renew the function of your leg, cool. You want to, you know, add a third leg because you feel like you want to identify as a as a three-legged uh, giraffe today. I don't know about that. I don't think you could do that, you know? You want to go do Question. something else. Yeah. What if the person has a micro penis? Then that's that's the way they're born, bro. Correct it, right? They can correct that. No, that's not that's you're not you're normally born with different varying sizes, bro. So that's that's not correcting it. Correcting is if you're born with uh, non-functioning penis and they can give you that function may, both may of which make it just, easy for all let, the people guys, with micro penises let's just have a moment of silence after i'm done saying this for our condolences to all the brothers who were born with either a micro penis or with no function right now real talk bro real talk not even like laughing like if, if someone has that issue that's that's terrible man that's terrible rami you look like you're having a hard time holding it in what like a laugh? Yeah. No, I'm holding back nah. tears. You're holding me. Oh, you hit a little too hard to home, right? <laughs> I got you, bro. Ram, uh, Rami's mom. If you are watching this, your son is still succeeding in all other aspects of life. So you can ignore that one little shortcoming. No pun intended. Anyway, if we're good to go on. This is the TLDR on body modifications and corrective surgery. Let us talk about sex now. Take three. So with sex, a lot of people are wondering, and this is to you, Rami, because you, you have a beautiful, mashallah, wonderful way of explaining this. We got one thing. We got one Islam. We got one deen. We got one ummah. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained it for us. But then you see, yo, I'm Sunni. I'm Shia. I'm Ismaili. I'm this. I'm that. And people don't know what to follow. We've literally had a brother. I think it was on Patreon or IG saying that he resonates better with Shia. I don't think he's either, he's reverted yet, but he already knows before reverting, he, he resonates better with Shia than Sunni. Are they correct? Are they all correct? Then you got this thing, Ahmadiyya, which the Ahmadis believe that there was a, a man who is uh, in India, I think, in the 18th century, 1869 or 1969 something, he came and that he was the, the Mahdi. Right? They literally thought this man was the Mahdi, who is the, the chosen one, who is going to come and ordain for us by Allah. 
And then they basically thought he was that I've heard other people, other scholars say he's, they thought that he's a reincarnation of the Prophet makes no sense. And, you know, they, they have these weird different beliefs, but they basically believe that he is the Mahdi and he came and now they, they think, okay, cool. We still believe that the Prophet was the last messenger, but then they also believe that this guy was the messenger when the Quran specifically says, we have given you the Prophet as a seal of all prophets, which makes no sense. So Rami, I want you to get into that, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. It is a it is a big topic, especially for like rebirth people learning about Islam. Bismillah. So the thing is, there is an there is a correct aqidah. There is a correct belief system. There is correct beliefs, which means there are incorrect beliefs. And somewhere in between, there's a gray area. So let me explain. There are some things in Islam you must believe to be a Muslim. If you don't believe these things, you are not considered a Muslim by, by Sunni opinion. So these things are the six articles of faith, the six pillars of faith. So believe in one God, the angels, the prophets and messengers, the books and revelation, destiny, which we spoke about, and, um, and uh, the day of judgment. If you believe in these, these, these you believe the Quran 100% then you are a Muslim by that belief. If you disbelieve in any of those things at all, you are not a Muslim. If you disbelieve in even a letter of the Quran, say, no, it shouldn't be there, you are not a Muslim. So let's take an example. If in the Quran, it mentions the night journey where the Prophet he went to Jannah. Some people believe he went full body and soul, and some believe he just went with his soul, and then his soul came back to his body later. You can have either belief you're still a Muslim. So when it comes to the different sects, for example, Sufis, you have a range of understanding interpretation. You have the far extreme with like grave worshiping, calling on the dead. Um, they believe that their imam of their masjid is going to intercede for them. And if their imam of their masjid doesn't like them, then they're going to hell. That's literally what the, some of them believe. That's the extreme. And you have other Sufis like Imam al-Ghazali, rahimallah, one of the greatest scholars of Islam in, in Islamic history. He was a Sufi. He was influenced by Sufi beliefs, but not to the extent that he was taken out of the fold of Islam. Same thing with Shias. Shias, they, their disputes are mainly political and against certain scholars. Like they, they won't accept uh, Sahih al-Bukhari, but then they'll refer to it. And they have their own belief system or, or uh, science of hadith and that stuff, but they don't have an authentication process. For example, in Islam, in, in Sunni Islam, we have this trustworthy person told that trustworthy person who told that trustworthy person who heard it from the prophet. If they're all trustworthy and they have good memory and all that, it's a huge science, many different um, uh, uh, factors in it that scholars take into account, then the hadith will be will remain intact and the, the hadith is from the Prophet right? They don't have that. They don't know who came from who, if it was made up, if it was a fabrication. And there are a lot of fabricated hadith. There were a lot at the time because of these disputes of sects and, uh, and aqidah and belief. So Shias believe that uh, the Islamic leadership should have been inherited by blood, like kingship is passed down to the son or whoever, right? Um, but in Islam, this is not what the Prophet ﷺ encouraged, right? So in Islam, in Sunni Islam, we believe that whoever is best fit to be the leader is the leader, whether they're related by bloodline or not. And you find in Islamic history, when the Islamic leadership started to be given as inheritance to a son, that's when all the bad things started to happen in the Ummah. You hear a lot about Muawiyah and, and Yazid, who are two Sahaba, and, and what they did and their leaderships and all this stuff, and that's when it started to go downhill. And uh, the, the, the 
grandsons of the Prophet they literally lost their lives because of this. Uh, very unfortunate. And to that side, I am empathetic 100% with the Shias because I, you know, I love them just as much as they do, you know, alayhi salam, because they're the you know, family of the Prophet. And we say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. We say, peace be unto Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. So there's no, no problem saying alayhi salam. But that aside, it's mainly political disputes or extremist views that take you out of the fold of Islam. But this is the thing. We're not supposed to divide Islam into sects. We're not supposed to. So why do I say I'm Sunni Salafi? Why would I say that? Salafi and Sunni are basically interchangeable. But why do I say that? The reason we have to say I'm Sunni, I'm Salafi is because we live in a day where there are different sects and you must elaborate on what you mean. Because if someone says I'm Muslim, you're like, oh, this is my brother in Islam. This is my sister in Islam. They're a Muslim like mm -hmm. me. And then Yo, they say, not to cut you off, but yeah. really important point. This is for people that are always wondering where he's going with this. This is to answer the question that we always get left and right and center. What, if there are no sects, if there's only one true way of Islam, which is Sunni, yeah. why is there even the sect of Sunni? Yeah. And that's what he's on answering right now. Yeah, yeah. So there's only one correct path, right? Prophet ﷺ, he drew uh, 70 lines in the sand. Uh, and he said that all, all these sects, all these lines will be in the fire. Um, and the except one. And that one is the Jama'ah, the majority, which is Sunni Islam. But that aside, thank you for clarifying that. Jazakallah khair. But what I was saying... If I can remember what I was saying was, oh, yeah, the reason we have to say we're Sunni Salafi is because there is one correct way. Right. And we have to elaborate on what we mean. If, we, if I meet someone, they say I'm a Muslim. I say, oh, cool. I'm a Muslim. But then they say they're Ahmadi. Ahmadis are not Muslim because, as Brother Fahd mentioned, Allah says in the Quran that the Prophet وسلم, is the Khatim Anabiyan and Khatam Anabiyan. One means the seal and one means the last. And they're both valid uh, uh, recitations of the Quran. So meaning he's the last of the prophets and then they believe in a prophet after him. Not messenger, prophet, uh, Nabi, right? So this is why they fall out of the, the, um, the fold of Islam because they're going against the Quran directly. Like I said, if you disobey just one verse or one, uh, if you disagree with one letter, one letter, you're not a Muslim. Imagine you're disagreeing with this entire ayah that there will be no prophet after the prophet Muhammad because he's the last one. So this is why it's important because when I say Sunni, Salafi, I'm basically saying I'm a Muslim who follows the Quran and the Sunnah. I accept the mainstream scholars. I accept Imam Ghazali, Imam Bukhari, Imam Shafi, Hanafi, Hanbali, Maliki Madhabs, so on and so forth. That's what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, if somebody believes in the six articles of faith and they believe in the Quran 100% and they don't have some insane belief that takes them out of the fold of Islam, like, oh, God made a mistake choosing the Prophet Muhammad, astaghfirullah. then they are still Muslim. But if they have some weird belief, they don't believe in a part of the Quran, um, or they, they don't believe in one of the six articles of faith, then they are not a Muslim at the end of the day. Yo, real quick. What's up? You're basically saying if somebody is from another sect of Islam, they could go to heaven, inshallah, like if Allah wills. Yeah. Potentially, if they believe in the six pillars of Iman and the five pillars of Islam, of the deen. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm wondering why the Prophet, ﷺ, in your opinion, yeah. made that distinction about drawing in the sand and all of these ones, aside from the majority, will go to Jahannam. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Because it, you could argue that the, the people with the correct view... Um, could be a Shia person, right? Because if, if we limit it to like the bare minimum, the Quran, uh, the six pillars of Iman, 
and you don't have any crazy sins, then maybe he's a part of the jama'ah, right? But yeah, maybe. And this is just my understanding. It could be awful. So we should always go to the scholars about things like this. But um, at the same time, we look at things like Ahmadis, right? Or you look like uh, people who worship, who um, engage in, in like uh, grave worshiping or intercession or turning to the imams for intercession. All these different beliefs, at the, you know, uh, even if they claim to be Sufi or, or Salafi or Shia or this or that, the other. And perhaps it's, it's limited to the people who know they've been because there have been many people in the past who have been debated against, argued against. It's been made clear, but they won't go away because they're treating their own sect as if it is the religion. They won't accept any other proofs, evidence, and so on and so forth. That's why people deny Sahil Bukhari or they say, no, that's just a metaphor and so on and so forth. So at the end of the day, even a Jew or a Christian or a non-Muslim can make it into heaven if they weren't given the message of Islam. Because Allah says we don't punish anyone who wasn't given the message. So let's say someone grew up on a weird understanding of Islam. They didn't know any better. Allahu Adam, it could be possible for that person. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's very, you know, it's a very maybe this, maybe that kind of thing. And everybody needs to do their research and go back to the Quran and Sunnah to make sure that, you know, they're on the right path because it's obligatory for every Muslim to seek knowledge. <clears throat> it's not enough for you to say, oh, I was just ignorant. Because if, imagine Allah asked you on the day of judgment, why did you do this, this, that? You weren't practicing Islam correctly. And you said, well, I, I, I just didn't know. And he's like, why didn't you go make sure you learned? Now, what are you going to say? Nothing, because it's obligatory for every Muslim to go seek out knowledge. So if Allah asks you on the day of judgment, why didn't you seek out knowledge? Uh, but I, I, I wanted, uh, no, it's too late at that point. Late, buddy. Yeah. Yo, and I just want to throw in here, like, I think that's all amazing. And this is coming from a reverse perspective. So please bear with me and understand that this is a, uh, Things that I've gathered along the way and then my own kind of understanding kind of playing in here. But I watched this video where Mufti Menk, uh, he was asked this question about like the sectors and stuff like that. He, he, he basically said, he's like, each sector has its pros and cons. And he's like, the moment that you say that you are uh, so-and-so, well, now you have to accept the bad along with the good. And he's like, at the end of the day, like you're a Muslim. And you have to follow the things that Rami said. Like, as long as you follow all of these things, like you are a Muslim. And then everything else is like, you, you take from it what you will. So it's like the Sufis, they are saying certain things. And it's like, well, when you get to the extreme part of the Sufism, you're like, whoa, buddy, like things took a, a sharp left turn here. But if, if you actually look into it and research and study you will find that there's a lot of things in sufism that you can take from it and you can bring it into your practice into your uh your dean and you can see that it will just further help you even more you know and again this is from my experience this is from my perspective you know i'm not saying mm -hmm. this is 100 the truth but it's like dude if that if that's the case, and I think he said in the video too, where it's like, let's say you had an instructor who's a homosexual instructor, he's teaching you physics. Like, all right, he, you take from him what you will, meaning that like, if he's talking about his personal life and all that, you don't have to accept that and take that on to be your own beliefs and your own way of living. 
You know, you're just taking what he's telling you about physics and then you are just continuing on. It's like you're still mm. giving him respect, but you're taking from it what you will. And that's how it should be. Where it's like a Muslim is exactly what Rami said. And then everything else should only be little things that you might take as you will. If it aids you in your course, in your path, in your practice. I mean, mm-hmm, man. And you don't go to the point where you're like, nah. F this guy because, you know, he's gay. I don't want to learn physics from him or he's wrong about physics. Nah, it's like, see the good in everyone. He's right. You don't have to like take everything from him and adopt his ways. You know what I mean? But you could definitely take the physics mm-hmm. and not take the biology from him, if you know what I'm saying. All right. So with that being said, I think we should talk about one more thing. And you guys, you guys already know if you made it this far, not in this episode, but in T3M as a channel, then you already know we are nothing if we don't keep it unfiltered, unscripted, and raw. So I had this thought come into my head, so I say we entertain it. The thought was, as Rami is explaining, she has believed that, you know, about this inheritance and all that, and, you know, we believe, and no, we're not going to give it to whoever's, we're going to give it to who the majority votes into, you know, it's like a kind of like who everyone wants. And I, I, I agree with that, I believe in that. But the weird thing is, as you're saying this, bro, I just had this moment of deja vu. Y'all know what deja vu is, right? Where it's like, yo, I've, we've already recorded this podcast. Like, I'm literally getting flashes of yesterday where you are teaching us about that. And we never, you never did. And then it gets me wondering about this whole thing about deja vu. And what it is, what it's not. Because just like dreams, they're, they feel so real. But unlike dreams, they're when we're in a state of consciousness and we're awake. Mm-hmm. So, Dude, bro, think, what, is, what is up with all this? I think deja vu is directly linked to the color of Allah. And it's like how we were talking about how like, it's all programmed. It's already written. Everything is already set out. We have the free will. We can make the decisions and stuff like that. But sometimes, just sometimes, we have that slight glimpse and that slight awareness where it's like, oh, oh, like I see it kind of like when I took that substance and I could see what was going on. Well, like without the substance, we have those slight moments where we realize like, oh, like th- th- I- I- I've seen this. I- this has already happened or something like that. Deja vu. No, bro. It was already going to happen. It was already going to happen. You're just becoming mm. aware of the fact that, like, hey, that blows my is, mind, bro. This is this is more than what you think it is. Yeah. It blows my mind. All right, I want to propose like a random possible neurological uh, theory. What if, because you, when you're taking in certain information, right? And I have like no extreme idea of what I'm talking about. This is very basic, right? Um, and I'm not a professional by any means, right? But you're studying biology, so. Uh, it may or may not, it may or may not tie in. So let's say when you're taking information, right? This the, you're creating new like neurological patterns, right, in your brain, right? Mm-hmm. When you what? remember that, you're, you're creating new patterns in your brain to be able to retain that information, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if your brain gets confused as if it's recalling a new memory, as it's putting in new information? So that's why you you're one observing what's happening, but two you feel like it's happened before. You feel like you're recalling a memory. Mm. maybe it could be it could be but think about it like sometimes you 
experienced something that of which you've never experienced before. You have nothing that can be a recollection or a recall of yeah. a past experience or a past memory. Yeah. What, past what, information. No, yeah, bro, what, he's what, talking what, about when we perceive new stimuli or reoccurring stimuli, yeah. our memory, I believe, is the retrieval and encoding and storage process in our, in our brain. It's uh, by your hippocampus and it takes our memories and our current experiences and attributes it to a past memory or a new memory. And I think what Rami's getting to is that pathway of where it's going gets kind of shifted and kind of blurry and you get confused as is if it's a new memory or it's already a past recurring memory. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah. And by the way, bro, you are a professional. Don't, don't get it twisted. Don't, don't tell us you're not professional. You are giving professional advice it's unlicensed though it's just like the hot twins say but you are a professional nonetheless alhamdulillah i just want to make sure i'm not a neurologist i don't want anyone going around saying like oh but this guy on the podcast said that you know when you get deja vu it's like this i mean bro here's the thing that that guy we used to watch growing up bill Nye, the science guy yeah isn't he like he has no degrees or anything I don't, no I don't know way. if this is true or not. I'm looking but, but, this up. Yeah, look at it. Because someone told me that this man, we look at him as like the gold standard. He knows about everything. But if it's licensing, he's not a doctor or anything. But who check? Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, Bill, Bill. Bill, Bill. Bill. Yeah, he, he, has, he has a BS in mechanical engineering. Uh, no way. Yeah, He's not the only one with a BS in mechanical engineering. My, uh, my family doctor is an engineer he did his undergrad in engineering because those of y'all don't know in canada we got to do undergrad then we got to go to grad school yeah and med so in undergrad he did in engineering which is crazy hard compared to anything else and with that gpa this man went into med so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah mashallah mashallah yo so let me let me just throw something hold up hold up boy hold up boy hold up boy don't make me get the ranch bro Listen, listen. So to tie everything in to what Rami said and what you e basically elaborated on what he was saying about the retrieval and the new information that's coming in, that's being processed, this can still be linked with the color of Allah, with the experience that I gave, because the experience that I gave could be interpreted as a what, what's it called? A, um, a glitch, a glitch in the matrix, a glitch in the dunya where you see it for what it is, or you see something more than what you are perceiving uh, by ordinary means. So like in and of itself, okay, is it, um, is it information that's just being processed like not uh, accordingly? Yeah. But even if it is being processed, uh, not accordingly and causing the, the deja vu to occur, it's still creating a lapse in the dunya, it's still creating a lapse to where you feel like, oh, wow, I've already experienced this, or like something's different here. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like why can't it be both? Exactly, exactly. Meaning that like they're both amazing points, yeah. but they also both tie in with each other. Yeah, yeah. Mashallah. Mashallah. Y'all got anything to say before we wrap it up? No, what yeah, we're we talking say? about the transvestites, right? Mm, I'd say we throw that into the next episode, bro. 
not Patreon exclusives. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, that too. what were you going to say, Fiat, before? No, I'll say if y'all are done, we can wrap it up then. All right. Yeah, I'm done. We don't, we don't in- intend to contradict any, you know, Sunnah, Hadith, in the Quran, nothing. Yeah. All good is from us. No, all good is from us. All good is from Allah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine rephrase that. Just rephrase that. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to edit this just for y'all because we're real ones. All good is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, all all bad. Anything we say incorrect. Everything bad is from us and the shaitan. And Allah and the Prophet sallallahu are protected from it. Um, Rami, man, real quick before you end it off for us. Yeah. What made you choose engineering? I've always had a creative mind. I've always been creating things, making things. I, bro, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I used to make paper guns that would shoot. I used to make paper what? guns that would shoot. What yeah. a G. Whether it was like a blow dart, blow dart kind of thing, it's a gun, but like you kind of like, I mean, I don't want it to get sauce yeah, in there, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. like, yeah, blow dart kind of thing. I'm not saying you blow it, but you know what I mean. Uh, and it shoots a bullet. Pause. <laughs> No, no, like bro. Blow dart, like though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But just it's built like a gun or like a, an elastic thing. You know, uh-huh. I was always making guns and like and all this stuff. It's called a modern warfare too. So don't don't uh, don't bring that up to me again. But don't be like yeah, this guy was making real, guns. Bro. Yeah, but you know that YouTuber, the glorious Quran. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he makes the memes. He's gonna <laughs> wait for you when you took your hands and you you wrapped it around when you were using the blow dart. You're going to make oh. some type of meme out of that, bro. Oh, my Best God. Bro, that. go ahead. Go ahead, bro. But, yeah, I've always been, you know, I've always been creative, and, and I want to use that creative capacity, and I've always been, uh, you know, enlightened, not enlightened, man, uh, inspired, you know, uh, by the, the the sciences and all that. So, I think so it's what you're saying is fathers will easily trust you with their daughters more times than they would. Ah, man. Yeah, I'm I'm saying there are definitely four fathers that will give me their daughter's hand in marriage, inshallah. Only four. At, there I mean, could be a hundred fathers that happily give you their daughter's hands yeah. in marriage, but so not at the same Allah. time. Because yeah. you can only inshallah. do four at the same time. And even then, it's not at the same time, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Inshallah. Yeah, there's levels to this. But inshallah. Yo, so Fayed, what made you want to be a uh, a bone doctor? What made me want to be a bone doctor? What, what's the, bone. the terminology of it? Uh, osteopath. Osteopath. Yeah, so that's my specialization. What I really wanted to, why I wanted to do that. Here's the thing. I love being a doctor, like medicine. And I love bones. What? Mashallah. No, man, I just had to give Ibn Marah a clip for his funniest moments. Okay, moments. okay, but, okay. Was, yeah. Fair enough. The, the things I do for this man. But uh, anyway, shout out to Ibn Marah, man, uh, for always holding it down. The He's 16, OG. bro. Could you, could you imagine? The real OG. Yeah. Why I really like, like um, just osteopathic medicine and, and just, you know, the whole human body as a whole is because it preaches about the, the, the body being a unit. All right? Mm-hmm. That's the first osteopathic medical philosophy that we had to say um and i think they won and the reason being is the body is a unit bro it's not like there's no other way to say it the truth is in itself um I'm, i had this knee problem and anha was telling me about how uh, you know you have a knee problem but it, the problem is not from the knee the somatic manifestation is the knee or you know the symptom is the knee but the actual cause or the what what is causing that 
the the point fruit. of of yeah, the root. You know, it's not the meat. It's somewhere else. It reminds me in school and classes we're learning how like it's just it's a whole system, bro. Like if you have a problem in one area, it might solve the other area. If you have a true problem with let's say information, it might manifest itself in let's say dry eyes or whatever you want to say or asthma or whatever. And the thing with modern, you know, <clears throat> allopathic medicine, which is just like modern medicine, right? It has to do with fixing the symptom. Oh, you have asthma? Let's give you an inhaler. You have knee pain? Let's give you anti-inflammatory medications. Mm-hmm. But the thing with osteopathic medicine, which is not like allopathic medicine, right? Because like in the States, they have like MD schools and DO schools. I'm talking about the latter, obviously. We're, we're heavily proponents of the idea of letting the body naturally heal itself, but getting to the root of the issue, not attacking the symptom. So unlike the, the you know, physician, the traditional modern medicine, who, which will tell you, okay, you have a problem with, let's say, your eyes. Let's give you these drugs for your eyes, or let's give you the, this medication to take for your eyes, or let's stop the, uh, let's in, to give you a drug that lets you, you know, produce more tears. Instead of that, we're going to solve the actual underlying issue, whether it be, you know, inflammation or whether it be something in your, in your cranial nerves, and we will get to the root of the issue. And I feel like this is a much healthier way. Yeah, we do surgery. We learn about, you know, surgical training and all that, but it's, it's like a last worst case scenario type thing. And we, we let the body naturally heal itself. Whereas, you know, allopathic medicine is all about, okay, drugs, surgery, manual things, pharmaceuticals, a lot of money in that. Here's the thing. If everyone uh, studied osteopathic medicine and became a medical practitioner in this means, is there, is there a lot of money in that? No, because we would have one or two or three sessions with you. Um, you come for treatment, we fix you, and then you never have to see us again. That's it. But if if I'm an allopathic medical practitioner and I can prescribe you a drug that you now have to take for life, like high blood pressure medication, there is what, $12 a week times 52 weeks in a year times your whole life. That's thousands, if not tens of thousands. And when you take these drugs, I don't want to get too much into conspiracy, but you then become dependent on the drug. You then need the drug. So without the drug, your symptoms are now going to be worse than when you were before the drug. This has mm-hmm. to do with antidepressants, psychiatric, uh, you know, anxiolytics, any type of physical or mental drug that you take, pharmaceutical, prescription, is going to give you these weird symptoms, bro. And you're then going to need it. And that's going to lead you into a further window of more disorders and diseases, right? So all in all, bro, I don't know anyone that just has high blood pressure medication. They went for high blood pressure. Then they got put on cholesterol medication. Then they got put on statin inhibitors and you name it, bro. So it's just a downward slippery slope. And insurance, big pharma, bro, there's no money in it if they can't charge you. Right? I'm not saying there's a cure to cancer, guys, but I'm saying if there was a cure to cancer, would they really make it mainstream? To the general public so you can come in for one thing and be done or would they put you on chemo and radiation and drugs for years to get more money out of you and these insurance companies you tell me but long story short bro it always fascinated me as a kid but i'm a personal trainer too um not as a career but this is something i do passionately and 
I love letting the body that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us naturally function and thrive. I don't like these external interventions and drugs and all this. Mm. All right. I know Rami might disagree. No, I'm just playing. Um, you know, because Rami, Rami looks like he's, he's into pharmaceuticals, bro. He, he looks like he's, he's on, what, seven or eight different medications? What are you on? Nine. Nine. Yeah. Damn, bro. So uh, what do you think? The Viagra is your favorite? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Just me I'm one partial to Cialis. Just a quick disclaimer: Rami does not take Viagra to perform the natural obligation. Not anymore. Not anymore. not anymore. He takes the Viagra strictly for pre-workout means because it gives him the best oh. pump. Yeah, yeah. As you can mm-hmm. see in my neck. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're on the Cialis right now. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, this is not even Patreon. We're giving this out, man. Come on. <sighs> With that being said, Rami, I, get ahead of myself. I want you to. All right. If you guys made it this this far into the podcast, comment neck gains in the comment section below. May Allah bless you all. I hope this has been beneficial. With that being said, we'll catch you guys in the next one, inshallah. Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhabin nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.